Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Shall we rise to read the Word of God, Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. It says, and when these things, I'm reading the NLT version, when these things were all in place, the priest regularly entered the first room as they performed their religious duties. But only the high priest ever entered the most holy place. And only once a year. And he always offered blood for his own sins and for the sins of the people had committed in ignorance. Verse 11. So Christ has now become the, the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of, which, of this created world. Verse 12 with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves. He entered the most holy place once for all and secured our redemption forever. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for your grace. Say thank you, Lord, this morning. Say thank you on the basis of what we just read. Just say thank you, Lord. Thank Jesus, thank Jesus, thank Jesus. What would have happened if he had not come to this world? What would have happened if we had not had a savior who gave up all things in heaven? He said, I laid it all down that you might have it all. Thank him this morning. Say, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your power at work in us. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your work in us. Thank you because thousands of years ago, you had us in mind, oh God, that we might be redeemed, that we might receive a life, oh God, and not just life, but have it more abundantly. And for that reason, this morning, the entire house say thank you, Lord. We say praise be to your name, honor be to you, worship be to you, oh God, who is like unto you. What a love, oh God. And Lord, John said, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God and this morning Lord we glorify your name as your sons oh God as your daughters as your people will say receive all our praise thank you thank you thank you Lord the entrance of your word brings light and it gives life to the simple this morning, as your word does send, O God, as you speak your word, may we receive life, O God. In your name we pray. And the whole house say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. We just read Hebrews 9, 6 and 7 and then 12, 11 and 12. And it's pretty packed scripture with a whole lot of truth in it. Pretty packed scripture. And keep in mind the context of this scripture. The writer was writing to Hebrews, that is, the Jews. So when you understand that context, it provides, it gives you more answers to tell you what he's actually talking about. Right? We're going to put up a picture um, quickly um, on the screen, please. 
And um, in from verse 6, we see him saying, when these things were in place, the priest regularly entered the first room as they performed their religious duties. So please, can you put up the, the, the picture, please? And then it's a picture of, thank you, a picture of a temple. And in this temple, there are three parts. So there is the outer part, we have the inner part, and we have the holy of holies. So the scripture here in verse 6, remember he's writing to the Jews. They, they understand clearly what he was talking about. And they said to him, at the outer part is where everyone comes. You know, everyone, the Jews, everyone will come there to worship. And then there is the inner part, which he was describing in verse 6. And then said that the priests are the ones who enter this particular circle, this, this, this part. And they, they go there to offer, perform their religious duties, do their sacrifices, do all forms of things that are required to do. But then he talked about, in verse 7, the inner part. And then said that, that this inner part, which is called the holy of holies, or the most holy place, if you're reading from the NLT version, it says the priest, the high priest, enters the Holy of Holies once a year. Not more than once a year. Nobody dares to do that. So it takes 360 days, 365 days to return back again to the Holy of Holies. And at each point, the Hebrews, if you read chapter 5, it will tell you that no one takes this honor unto himself. So you must be appointed by God to be able to have access to the Holy of Holies. You can't just walk in there. And before you get in there, it takes you a year to prepare for it. You don't walk in anyhow. You walk in following the entire rules of God. Remember, it's called the Holy of Holies. This is not just holy, but this is extra holy. Why? Because that is where the tabernacle of God, that's where the, the, the Ark of the Covenant is, which represents the presence of God. So this particular space is a top secret place. That is a top, top secret place. You don't go in anyhow. And then it's restricted as well. Highly restricted. No one can go in. And here's the thing, right? When the high priest is going into this space, they tie around him a rope that extends from the Holy of Holies to the inner court where the priests are. And then he has bells at his waist as well. So when he's moving, the bells will be making, so they cannot look inside. There's a veil covering it. They can't look inside. So he moves around. The moment they stop hearing that noise of the bell, it's very likely, most likely, that he's dead. What would they do? They can't even go in to bring him out. They have to pull him with the rope out. They can't go in. That is how majestic the presence of God is. God's presence is absolutely sovereign in every description. God, when he dwells in that particular space, so for other areas, the inner court, the outer court, yeah, do whatever you want. But when it comes to the presence of the mighty God, it has to be respected. The Holy of Holies, it denotes the presence of God, the power of God. But something happened in verse 11. It says, so Christ now became the high priest over all the good things that have come. So Jesus now came realizing that it is just one priest that can go in there once a year. He came to this world that we might have access without dying. This is incredible. 
Now we have access to this particular place. Remember, he was talking to the Jews. So they realized what he was talking about. You know, if you had written this thing to the Ephesians, they may be confused. But he wrote to the Jews who knew exactly how the temple works. And then Jesus now came, and he came that we might have access, not just to the inner court as priests, but to the holy of holies. And he entered, verse, verse 11 says, he has entered that great and more perfect tabernacle in heaven. So this is not just a physical one now. Remember how destructive the physical one is? But he's talking about much higher level of tabernacle. And he says, he has come, not made this tabernacle, not made with human hands, which is or created in this world, but he has come and he's entered it with his blood, not the blood of goats and calves, not the blood of animals, but his own blood. And he says he entered the most holy place once for all. In other words, there is no entry once a year. The entry is constant. So he is constant in that space. So the high priest no longer needs to go in once a year. Jesus is there forever. Someone say amen. And he says, I have secured our redemption forever. So because he has access into this space, we have redemption. We have access to it. And to everyone who believes in the name of Jesus, this redemption is guaranteed. Everyone who calls on the name of God, the Bible says, is saved. The person is redeemed and the person has access to this topmost secret place. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to be doing a lot of Hebrews today. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for access. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It's amazing that Jesus said, I, I did not give up my life because there was a demand for it. He says, I laid it down by myself. So it, it calls for joy because he didn't have to do it. That's the point. There was nothing. He, it, wasn't, it wasn't required that he must do it. No. He gave it up down because of you and I. Verse 14, I'll read the NIV version. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly the faith we profess. Verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our, with our weaknesses, double negatives. If you notice what he's saying there, we do not, who is unable, double negatives. Let's reverse that. He's saying we have a high priest who sympathizes, who understands that we are weak. Yet in this world, when he came, he did not sin. He was tempted at every point just as we are. So he lived a life to show us an example that it is possible to live on earth without sinning. But then it takes grace. Someone say grace. Verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Some translation says boldly. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. 
God has a throne. God has a throne in his sovereignty. And in this sovereignty, this throne reigns forever. This throne is normally when you think about a throne, it's usually described as a seat of judgment. But for the first time, this throne is described as a throne of grace. Amazing. We can approach this throne room that was naturally designed for judgment, for the execution of the will of God as the space where we can obtain grace from God, where we can obtain the mercy of God, where we can obtain help from God. Amazing, amazing grace. I'm going to be asking, asking a few questions because I want us to pray today. So I'll ask a few questions and then we're going to pray. The first is, why should we approach the throne of grace? Why should we approach the throne of grace? Jesus said something in John 15 verse 5. John 15 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do absolutely nothing. John 15, 5. We are nothing without God. It's as simple as that. You see, we will never be able to live the life of God without the help of God. It doesn't matter how intelligent you are. We need to realize this. Without Christ, we are nothing we need grace to fight in this world. Two, two, two weeks ago, uh, two Sundays ago, uh, with the teenagers, we were, the, our topic was what is life. And then people were at the front, everyone talked about what their perspective was about life. One of those is that life is war. Whether you like it or not, you are in a war. You're in a war zone. And there is no part of this earth that is a no-fight area. No. Life is a battle, and you must be ready to fight or be ready to drown. There is no part. You must belong to a camp. You can't, you can't say, oh, you stay on your own, you stay on your own, I'm on my own. No, it doesn't happen that way. You need grace to do life. You need grace to stand strong in this world. Otherwise, it will continue to break down. You know, sometimes we think, oh, grace is for people who live in Nigeria. Well, it's for everyone everywhere. No matter where you're connected, even the most peaceful parts of the earth, sometimes they need the grace the more. That's why they commit suicide, even when they're at peace with themselves. Grace is necessary. We need grace to fulfill the call of God, to find our Nineveh. We need grace for that. And we need grace to pursue the will of God. Whether you're ministering in church or ministering in the marketplace, you need grace. Say to your neighbor, you need grace. Prayer is absolutely vital for our survival. It is our supply line. And it's impossible to survive. Imagine a war zone. I like war movies, by the way. And imagine a war zone and the commander is giving commands through a radio the walkie-talkie, to people, to his guys. Imagine if one of them gets cut off from that radio and you no longer have access, you can no longer hear what he's saying. You're literally as good as dead. Because you're not seeing him, you're not seeing any command. It's going to be very difficult to know what to do. 
Prayer is that lifeline, that connection point. You are in a war space, and then you need to be speaking to the commander, who is the king of kings and the lord of lords, who is the lion of a tribe of Judah, the mighty one. You need to be communicating with him in order to survive the battles that face us. The good news is what Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. There's a good news there. He says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. He's able to release the grace you need for whatever you're doing right now. Whatever you're going through, there is enough grace to get you through that situation. He says he's able to make all grace, all grace, abound toward you. Whatever grace it is, whether at work, whether you're at school, or you're running a business, or you're doing a ministry, or you're doing whatever it is that you're doing, there is a grace that God makes available for that. He says that you may have an abundance for every good work. Abundance. So he's not just releasing a bit of it, he's releasing all of it. Sometimes you might feel as if you're drowning. Believe me, there is grace to set you free from that point. God is able to make it available. The next question is how much, how do we approach the throne room? The first is from the statement of Jesus. Enter with, enter the, his gates with thanksgiving. In Matthew 6 verse 9, Jesus said in his prayer, Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name that's how he started he began with thanksgiving he began with worship he began with glorifying god he recognized who he is and then offered worship the psalmist said in psalm 100 verse, verse 4 enter his gate with thanksgiving and his court with praise give thanks to him and praise his name enter his gates with thanksgiving Second, approach in the name of Jesus. I want you to understand something. The moment you declare the name of Jesus, it is not a religious utterance. It's actually a spiritual. It's taking a spiritual position when you say that name. So it's not just that you say, whenever you say in the name of Jesus, sometimes it's too religious. People just start with it in every prayer in Jesus' name in, and then start praying. But they have no understanding of what that means. You're taking a spiritual position immediately once that happens. We live in an earthly realm, but it is a spiritual realm. And that name takes you in where you should be. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says in John 14, it says, And whatever you ask in my name. So you come to the throne room in that name. God looks at you. He sees that name. He respects that name. You ask in my name. I will do it. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. John 14, 14. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Come in the name of Jesus. Sometimes you're in a meeting and then they say, let's pray. And they just say a few words and you're not sure who they're praying to. Come in the name of Jesus. Come in the name of Jesus and receive the answer that he promised. Approach with clean hands. Approach with clean hands. In the past two weeks or so, we've been doing Bible studies and been studying the book of Jonah. 
amazing book. And please, if you've not logged in to this every Tuesday, 6.30 p.m., if you've not connected, please do so. God is exposing so much truth from that book. One of the scriptures we read last week, Jonah chapter, eight, verse, chapter 2, verse 8, it says, Those who cling to worthless idols forsake their own mercy. He was in the belly of fish when he was making this declaration. Those are who cling, who hold on to worthless idols, forfeit the grace or forsake the grace or abandon the grace that God has designed for them. Let me explain. If a person is holding on to unforgiveness, the Bible says it's worthless. In other words, it's valueless. It doesn't do you any good. You need to leave it alone to obtain the mercy designed for you. If you're holding on to worry and holding on to fear, you are abandoning the mercy that God has created for you. Whatever it is that you're holding on to, sometimes it might be a particular scene that you probably enjoy and then you're holding on to it and he's saying, leave it alone. Because you are abandoning the mercy that the throne offers. Ask your neighbor, what are you holding on to? Approach the throne room with the word of God. There is nothing this throne of grace respects more than the words of the king of the throne. The Bible says that his word has been exalted above even his name. As powerful as the name of God is, his word is exalted above his name. When you approach, approach with the word of God. You're coming to obtain mercy. Approach with the word of God. Maybe it's a habit that you are struggling with. You can come into the throne and begin to declare, it is for freedom that Christ has set me free. I cannot be bound by this. Or it might be an illness. You can come in to declare, by his tribes I am healed. Or maybe you feel you're under attack. Like I was last two weeks, I felt everything was working against me. Everything. Literally everything. And then approach saying, he frustrates the tokens of the liars and makes diviners mad. Whatever it is you are into, there is a scripture that can bring you there. Or oh, you're feeling low in the morning. Arise and declare, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Declare the word of God. The more you declare it, the more you obtain the grace that is infinite in that throne of grace. Come with confidence. And this confidence is not about how good you are. It's not because you're living a life of righteousness. No, 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 that's not what he's talking about. And it's not because you can even pray. No, no, it's not. It is a confidence that God will do what he has said. That's a confidence. You are assured that he has said it. And if he has said it, he will do it. Come with faith. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Imagine coming before a king and you're not ready to please that king. What are you coming for? You must please the king who sits on that throne to receive the benefits of that throne. Come with faith. Ask with faith. And if you don't have faith, say like the prayer of that man. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. 
and receive the faith you need to obtain from the throne. Approach with a sacrifice. How do you approach with a sacrifice? Sacrifice of worship, of offering, and of fasting. This throne respects sacrifice. Sacrifice attracts attention. Remember what happened to Solomon. He came to the temple and offered so much sacrifice that God stepped in at night and said, this guy, what is your problem? I need to know what do you want. The throne sacrifices definitely gets the attention of the throne. By tomorrow, next tomorrow, and Wednesday, next three days, we're going to be fasting. Believe me, fasting can get attention from the throne. God is listening when you're praying and fasting. And I invite everyone, please join. Let's do it together. And then we will touch this throne of grace in Jesus' name. What to expect when you approach a throne room? The scripture we read in Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us then approach the throne room of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What do you expect? Expect to receive grace. Please never approach the throne room casually. Don't come to church without expectations. It doesn't help. Come with expectation. Expect that I'm going to church this morning. I will not go back the same. I'm going to church this morning. I'm going to receive something. I'm praying this morning. I'm praying and God is going to answer me. Don't pray with an expectation that he will not answer you. Expect to receive mercy. Expect to receive help. Because he is willing to help. Approach the throne room that we might obtain grace. You must have heard the story of the man that was blind, the blind Bartimaeus. When he heard that Jesus was passing through Jericho and he was just by the roadside and he had heard about a few things that Jesus did, he began to respond immediately. <laughs> this man was full of expectations. He knew exactly what was going to happen. And then he started crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Sometimes you're praying and people are telling you to shut up. It might be a situation that is telling you didn't you pray yesterday. He says, they told him, be quiet. The people yelled at him. In Mark 10, verse, 20, verse 48. But he says, he shouted out louder. The more situations are telling you not to pray, please pray. Tell you never pray. Tell you never pray. The more he's saying to you, don't pray. There is no point praying. That is the time to pray. And they said to him, be quiet. And the scripture says, but he alone shouted louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus had heard him, I kind of believe Jesus heard him the first time, but he was expecting to see if this guy really wanted this. How hungry are you? <laughs> and then the man was really hungry to see. How do I know this? In verse 51, Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. It wasn't a man of many words. So it's not about how many words you can speak. 
is about what you are saying. He says, Lord, I want to see. And he said to him, go in your faith. This faith has healed you. Approach with faith. Approach with faith. Approach with faith. Approach with confidence. Expect to receive from this God. Expect to receive from him. The last question, when should you approach the throne room? We go back to that scripture in Luke, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It has the answers there. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That's the answer. Approach in a time of need, which is really every time. <laughs> you see, the main reason why we do not pray as often as we should pray is because we, do not real, we don't realize how needy we are. That's the problem. Sometimes you arise in, early and you think you're in a hurry to get out and then you run out without even saying thank you, Lord, because you didn't know that you didn't wake yourself up from that sleep. And it doesn't matter how healthy you are, People healthy have slept and not woken up. It doesn't matter how young you are, young people have passed. It doesn't even matter if you have food in your house, still depend on him for supplies. We must come to him at all times. You can be driving and praying. You can be driving. I was driving one time and I think it was at um, the, the tour gate and I was watching this lady and I saw her lips just moving. I knew she was praying. I just knew she was praying. And then she, her lips was just going. She was just going. I mean, she was wind up. I couldn't hear her, but I knew exactly that this woman was not here with us. You can be driving. You can be doing whatever. Whatever it is, come to the throne room. It says, when you need help, Come. It might be right now. Come. It doesn't matter where you are. Maybe in Nigeria that has unbelievable number of problems. And we're saying, oh, only people in Nigeria. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter where you are. Whether you are a nation that seemingly seems peaceful, come to God. Pray to him. Jesus said in Luke 18 verse 1, Men ought always to pray and not to faint. When should you come? Always. And then the Apostle Paul echoed the same scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. He said, pray without season. Develop a lifestyle of prayer. Develop a life that just prays. A life that is given to prayer. That life wins all the time. Where are you at the moment? God is calling us to come to him. He's saying, approach, come, come, let us. Remember, you can have people praying for you. That's okay. But believe me, there is no power, powerful prayer than the one you can pray. He wants your own prayer. He says, let us come, guys. Let us come approach the throne room of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy. Who wants mercy this morning? Who wants grace this morning? Let's rise, let's rise, let's rise. Let Kotsika Roma Sahaka Tela Kopra Nimahan. Masokita Li Kopra Kila Hasemahan. I want the choir, I want us to sing a song this morning. Let Kosita Kule Prenimahakanahan. Let us come, let us come, let us come. Approach the throne room of grace with confidence, with faith. With faith that we may receive mercy. 
that we may find grace to help that we may find grace to help that we may find grace to help this is my time of need I don't know about you but this is my time of need that we let's find grace to help Yes, Lord, we come with thanksgiving. Let's enter with thanksgiving first. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.